Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast listeners. So blessed that you are here, that you take the time to tune in and hear the next episode of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're in the book of Acts. Uh, This week we're in chapter 4. It's just a, this whole thing is like a series of, of vignettes, little stories, and each one has a point and a meaning, and it's really helping us to look at how the church uh, really did start and how it should be even run today. It's a, it's a great study. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've never considered myself a, a verse-by-verse teacher, but we've been doing it for months now. We went through the entire book of John. I thought that I would be able to do you know, more of a topical type study, just taking the main topic, the main point of each chapter, and really emphasizing on that, at least uh, what I felt was the main point. But that's not at all what the Holy Spirit decided for me. He said, no, we're going to do it verse by verse, and we're going to talk about each and every word that's in there. And I praise God for that. I hope it's been interesting for you. I hope that it's uh, been helpful to you. I sometimes, you know, in my own flesh would like to get back to a topical sermon where I have 15, you know, different scriptures all countering or looking at the same topic. Um, but this is what God has me to do right now at this time. So we're going to move right into Acts chapter 4. Uh, Please stay tuned. Church is going to get started here in just a few seconds. Thanks. Bye. All our folks at home can hear the podcast when it gets posted. It's not live, unfortunately. But we are in Acts chapter 4. Up to this point, it's been the Peter and John show. In chapter 4, it doesn't change. It continues. And it's really amazing to me to see the power and the confidence that Peter and John are walking in. Do you remember these guys back in the book of John? They were were lost. Peter's denying Christ. He's, He's a mess. John, he's the one chosen to take care of Jesus' mother. He's kind of the solid rock of the bunch. But Peter, he was a mess. This is truly what it means, these guys are walking in the Spirit. But think about for a minute, these men were at times they had to be scared and concerned. Remember, these men represent you and me. They represent all of us. They have issues in their lives. They have insecurities. I don't know if anyone, if any one of these guys dealt with a little anxiety, but I believe they probably did of the stuff that, that the Lord was moving them through. So what's going on? We know that it's the Holy Spirit that resides within them and upon them, but there's something more. And we need to catch that something more. I believe it's the power and the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They seen it with their own eyes. They touched him. They were with him for 40 days after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. Okay, pastor, well, how does that help me? I didn't see him on that cross. I haven't seen the holes in his hands. Well, kids, this is why we're in the word of God. 
This is why we study the Word of God, to see it through their eyes, to feel it the way they felt it. It requires faith. It requires faith for us to, to really get this. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? Okay, Joe, it's time for you to get back on the clicker. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas back in John 29? 20, he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There you are in the Bible again, man. He's right there. Right there in the Bible. We haven't seen him, but yet we believe. And we need to realize it. There's power in what you know. It can't be taken away from you. It can't be stolen from you. When we get this, it becomes much easier to walk in the Spirit because you're now walking in your resurrection in Christ Jesus. And you're walking in your eternity. It's so important that we get this. And, and I think probably as not just this church, but as a church as a whole, this is what's missing. Well, we don't see the manifestations of God like we did back. Well, you know why? It's because we don't truly believe. We're not walking in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And it's in what you know. You have to know what you know. Let me try to. Has anybody ever lost a loved one? Yeah, we all have. I've got too many to count. I've got to pick one, which one is the most effective. But the one that, that really moves me the most is when I think about my 18-year-old grandson that died from osteosarcoma cancer just three months after he was married. And I got the privilege to marry him. It's one of my top 10 highlights of my life. I haven't forgot him for a minute, not a second. I can see his face now. I can hear his voice. I, I know who he is. I was there when he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It's what I know that gives me the peace and the comfort that I know that he's in heaven on two legs, probably riding some really cool skateboards up there. It's in what we know. And we have to know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ truly did happen. There's power in the knowledge of the resurrection. And this is the problem that a lot of church people have. Well, I don't know. You know, I wasn't there. It requires faith. Faith, and we have to believe. And it's faith that God has given us. He all gave, gave us to each every one of us a measure of faith. It's up to you what you do with it. We all have the same measure. Well, maybe my faith's a little bigger than you. That's because I've been practicing it. And you need to be practicing your tooth, yours too. Because there's power in the resurrection knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It's, now, we have to remember, this is last week. He had healed the lame man. You guys remember? And for those of you that weren't here, the lame man had been sitting around for 40 years. He was 47 years old. The scripture's going to tell us that today. He was born lame. He couldn't walk. His legs were probably, you know, little curled in little legs. And they set him in front of the, the temple door, the place called Beautiful, and, and to ask alms for people to take care of him. That's how he supported himself, by what people give him. How many times do you think Jesus walked by this man? It's, it's just a thought that I had. 
Because Jesus was in the same Jerusalem and he was there. I believe Jesus walked by him many times and probably the disciples said, hey, what about this guy? And the Lord said, there's a time. There's a time. You see, sometimes we're praying for something. We think that the Lord should do something for me right now. Well, Jesus walked by this guy and didn't heal him. It's obvious that he didn't because there was a time for this to happen. And man, oh man, was this time amazing. So now, all the officials in Jerusalem were upset. It says, now as far as, now as they spoke to the people, and this is the priests were speaking to the people about what happened, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. I'm going to come back to that Sadducee in just a minute. Verse 2, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in the name, preached in Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. So let's talk about this for just a minute. Let's take me to the next picture. Over here you have a Pharisee. Over here you have a Sadducee. Come on, it's supposed to be funny. They're sad, you see? Well, let's talk about who these people are. <laughs> let's, let's talk about who they are. Because it's important that we get understanding. In verse 1, it said, it didn't say the Pharisees were upset. It said the Sadducees were upset. And most people think it's because the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. They do not believe in angels. But that isn't really the main reason why they were mentioned in the Bible. is because at that time, they had, they had the Senate. There was more of them in charge than there was of the Pharisees at this particular time. Let me explain it. The Sadducees, they were a member of the Jewish sect, a party, if you will, at the time of Jesus Christ. They denied the resurrection of the dead and any existence of angels or spirits, and they believed in, obviously, the obligation of an oral tradition emphasizing on the acceptance of the written law alone. Now let's talk about the Pharisees for a minute. This other guy over here, a member of an ancient Jewish sect, just a different one, okay? It's like we have, you know, different ones in our culture. They believed it was possible to have a resurrection if it was in within three days of death. They were distinguished by a strict observance and traditional and written law and commonly held to have pretensions to superiority. They were like self-righteous people. And we know there is no self-righteous. They thought they were better than everybody else because they were Pharisees. That was their culture. That's what they did. But now look at this next picture. Next picture. There you go. We have, in our culture, it's not so far different. We have Republicans and Democrats. Now, to me, it's, it's, they've never been further apart than ever before than, like they are now, and I... I think that our country is going through something. It's not much different than the Pharisees and Sadducees. Because in the Pharisees and Sadducees, they had this thing called the Sanhedrin. They were like the Israel's Supreme Court. There were 72 people that were part of this, this Sanhedrin. And they were a combination of both parties. Right now, in this particular story, 
The Sadducees had more people in control than the Pharisees at this particular time. Because they, they would get voted in and voted out and move things move around. It's not much different than today. We have a Senate now that's ran by mostly Democrats, I think. And we have a Congress that's, you know, mostly Democratic. And so it's no different. It's just so weird. that So weird. Our, our nation was based on these biblical principles. It was based on it. Guess what? Those, those two pictures, those guys, they were both Jewish leaders. These people are both Americans. Even though we, well, I have a hard time with one part of it, and I'm not even going to get involved in that. But they're both Americans. We should be wanting the same thing. And when this country ever becomes unified, to where it's okay to be Democrat, it's okay to be Republican, it's okay to be Libertarian, it's okay that we will have, we will see more done in our country than what we see now. The Sanhedrin, they met every day in a building known as the Hewn of Stones, which was built adjacent to the temple. The word Sanhedrin actually means sitting together, a council that was sitting together or assembly. There were a few other political groups at the time. They were called uh, Essens and Zealots, but they had very little power, and they probably never got anybody really nominated to the Sanhedrin. So they really didn't have much, but they were still there. Not far different than our, the way our countries run today. You needed to have that understanding. Let's now go to Acts uh, verse 3. And they laid hands on them. So what it's talking about, we had the disciples, Peter and John. They were being questioned. Why are you guys, you know, preaching resurrection to the people? Why is this going on? So they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Oh, look at verse 4. However... Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Do you remember just two chapters ago, 3,000 got saved? Now they're talking about 5,000 men is all that it counted. So there were women and children that were in this, what I believe they would have called an uprising, because they arrested Peter and John. 5,000 is a big number, especially... Uh, when they're not counting the women and the children, this number of people gathering is a big problem for the Jewish sect because Rome would consider this an uprising and they could come down both on Jew and Christian. They could put a stop to this. So the Jewish, the Sanhedrin had to find a way to shut this thing down. They had to because if, if Rome gets involved, we're all going to be in trouble. Verse 5, and it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and elders and scribes, verse 6, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caphius, John, this isn't Peter's John, this is a different John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had sat them in the midst, asked, by what power... Or by what name have you done this? Oh, I love verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Verse 9. If this day were judged for a good deed done 
to a helpless man. And by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all, verse 10, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Oh, that one bit. Whom God raised from the dead, and by this man, and by him, this man stands before you whole. Verse 11, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has come, had become the chief cornerstone. Let me stop there just for a minute. Can you, do you hear the power in Peter's words? This is the cornerstone that you builders rejected. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. This is it. This is what it's built upon. And you guys rejected it. You guys crucified him. Verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There it is. If you haven't got that marked in your Bibles, you better open up your Bible and mark it. There it is. People will say to you, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus is the only way. Well, that's because they haven't read their Bible. Because it says it very plainly, very clearly. People will, <clears throat> will say it's so narrow-minded that there's only one way to God. There's only one way to heaven. You can say it's not narrow-minded because it includes you. It includes you. It includes me. It includes everyone. The Bible is the most inclusive book in the world. It doesn't exclude anyone who would choose to believe. It's all up to you. All we have to do is choose to believe. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. There are many people in my life who think they know me or they used to know me which have probably more than a perceiving because they knew who I was. They know I was uneducated, one who could barely read at all. They knew something has happened to me. And my prayer is that they will say, because of my life, it had, he had to have been with Jesus. That's my prayer, is that they realize that it could only be Jesus Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about it in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 29 through 29. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Pay attention to what it says there, Manny. It's the ones you don't think possible that could be in leadership, that you don't think possible that could lead others to Christ. It's the ones that you least think, because if they're in the flesh, noble and high and mighty, that's, uh, God has a problem with that. He chooses the things that seem foolish. Look at verse 27. It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28 
and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh. I can't glory in the presence because I, I don't have anything in me. It's all God. It's his ability. It's what the Holy Spirit does through me to be able to even stand here and read this in front of you. It's only God. Let's look at verse, verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. This man that they all knew had been crippled for so long. Verse 15, but they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, and they convert amongst themselves. Can't you just see them? We have to do something, they're saying to themselves. But if we do too much, these 5,000 people, they're going to they're gonna rise up. They're going to stone us. They're going to rise up and the Romans will get involved. Oh, we have to find a way to get out of this situation. Verse 16 says, saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable, notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We've all seen it. We've all seen this guy sitting there for all these years. It's evident. And we cannot deny it. Verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they will speak no more in this name. Oh, yeah, that's going to work. Can't you just see that? Yeah, that's going to work. Let's threaten them and scare them so badly that they won't use the name of Jesus. We'll threaten them with torture. And, you know, the Romans hold the right to execute. We can't kill them, but we can sure torture them. Let's do that. Let's threaten them. Yeah, I think that's going to work. We know that sin is stupid, right? It's not going to work. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to pay close attention to how Peter responds. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. You judge. If it's right for me to listen to you instead of God, then yeah, yeah that's on you, buddy. You judge. Verse 20 says, for we cannot speak the things which we have seen. Let me re read that correctly. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's all we're doing. What we have seen and heard is what we speak. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, I'm sure they were shaking in their boots, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people, <clears throat> because of the people, since they glorified God for what had been done. Verse 22, it, it says, for the man was over 40 years old, this miracle of healing had been performed. Well, that might be to some an interesting statement. But Gill's exposition says it like this, For the man was above 40 years old, so that the miracle 
was greater than a man born lame who had been there for over 40 years. You can't deny this. This is so amazing. It wasn't that a young man got healed. This was a man that was over 40 years old who had been sitting there for all these years. And his testimony met with more credit because of that. This miracle of healing was shown both for the good for the good of men and for the glory of God. And now do you see why Jesus didn't heal him? It's pretty obvious. There was a time, there was a place that God was wanting to do what God does. Let's look at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So then when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They were praising God. Can't you just hear it? They let us go. They let us go. God is greater than these Sanhedrin. They were praying. Listen to the prayer of this amazing prayer because now they begin to pray and praise God at the same time. If you don't know how to pray, just pay attention. They go back and they use David. Verse 25, it says, By the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Verse 26, The kings of this earth, their stand... And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They're saying, they're praying, saying, God, you're in control. You knew this before it was ever done. Verse 29 says, Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see, that's where it comes from. It's not some guy standing up here slapping his hands on somebody and they fall down. This is all about Jesus. He's the one who does the healing. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. Kind of like the other day. Did you all feel the earthquake? It was shaken, baby. I want to experience this kind of shaking. I want to pray so fervently and so unitedly and with such boldness that everything begins to shake. It says everything was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. That just goes to show you the Holy Spirit refreshes. He renews. He's alive. He's moving. Look what it says. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Look at that. Notice it didn't say they were running around speaking in tongues. Notice, it said they were speaking the word of God with boldness. I would so much rather speak in a language that you could understand than to speak in tongues that you didn't understand. And yes, I'm a tongue-talking pastor, but I don't stand up here and speak in tongues because you wouldn't understand it's a language that's between me and God. 
and for the edification of God, and it lifts me and raises me and fills me. It said, how much would rather, I would much rather speak in a language. If I didn't, how would anybody ever get saved? Tongues are only one of the many manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Like making a dumb man smart or eyes who couldn't read be able to read. And I'm referring to myself. You're going to understand the person of the Holy Spirit is nothing to be weirded out about. It's not just about speaking in tongues. It's about the manifestation of all things. Healing that comes through us, through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed we're in one heart and one soul. Can I add? They were in one accord. That's where we need to be. In one accord, moving the same direction. Neither did anyone say that any of the things they, he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. And great grace was upon them. Great grace was upon them. That tells me they weren't perfect. That tells me they were still dealing with a lot of trouble because remember what the Apostle Paul says? Let's look at Romans 5, 17. He says, For if by the trespasses sin of one man death reigned through that one man, how much war will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You know, people, they, they, when they first get into the story and they read that, you know, Adam sinned, Adam and Eve had their thing, they ate the apple, whatever. It's because of him that I'm a sinner? Yep. Is by one man's sin, it brought it into the world where we all became sinners. No matter how good you are, we're sinners. And by one man's sacrifice, we are all righteous. There's no, by no means should I be righteous, but I am the righteousness of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And we need to know that. He says in verse 18, he says, consequently... Just as the trespasses, sin, resulted in condemnation for all people, so also the righteous act resulting in justification of the life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. There it is. And through the obedience of one man, the many were made righteous. That's you and me. Verse 20, the law has brought in, the law was brought in so the trespass might increase. Well, how could Paul say that? The law, the law of Moses, it was brought in so that our sin might increase? Because the law was to show us that we need a Savior. I can't do it. Gracie, I can't do it by myself. You can't either. None of us can. We can't do it by ourselves. We need the Father to help us. We need Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The end of that, that verse says, but when sin increased, grace increased all the more. 
when sin increased. So does that mean we should go around and sin? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But where sin is prevalent, God's grace is ready to take it all away and to give his righteous, the grace of God to anyone. I don't care how great the sin is. I'm going to try to finish this really quick. Acts 4.34. Nor was there anyone among you. No, was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Verse 35. And laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed them to each and anyone who had need. Verse 36. And Joes, who is also named Barnabas, by the apostle, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and landed, laid it at the apostles' feet. I believe that there's a lot of us in today's world that would say, that ain't never going to happen. Hey, I'll agree. I'm not ready to sell my house and give it to the church. Are you ready, Tony? This is where I live. We have to understand what, what we're being taught here. You know, I would say, nope, never, nope. Oh, be careful. I'm not suggesting that we do that, but remember what it took to get the church started. These people truly were the first Jesus movement. It all became about each other and not themselves. And the Bible said no one was lacking. Every person was cared for. No one went hungry. No one went without clothes. No one went without a bed to sleep in. We might like thinking the church will never have to do that. To have people sell all they have and to trust the leadership of the church to make the decision of where the money goes. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? I mean, I pray that the Lord comes and takes his church, but I don't know that it's going to happen that way. I don't know that. You know, there's many famous people that think they do know, but they don't know. What if the mark of the beast comes upon us and you're not able to buy or sell? Because they say if you take the mark of the beast, the Bible tells us you're denying Christ. And that's what they're going to be saying is you have to take the mark of the beast and deny Jesus Christ. We have to serve God our way. What if that were to happen? I think the church would need each other. Amen. I think it would be nothing then to sell everything we own and we bring it to the church and we grow our food and we live together. And we, we do what we have to do to survive because we're not going to take the mark of the beast. We're not going to. It's not going to happen. So don't say, no, that could never happen. Oh, I pray it doesn't happen in our lifetime. But what about my grandkids? What about their kids? If they don't understand the principle of this, the purpose of this, most of the kids today would say, yeah, give me the chip, give me the chip. I got, you know, and they would deny Christ because they haven't been taught. I pray the Lord comes for his church before that ever happens. But you have to understand there was, there was a principle that God was showing us here. Now, next week should really weird you guys out. If you guys that are out of town, you can pick my podcast up from out of town. Just type in Tuolumne Community Baptist Church, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, 
Apple, anywhere, anywhere you want to go, and you'll see a little green picture. You know that green picture that comes up up there? That'll come up, and you know, there it is. And you can listen to next week, because if this doesn't weird you out, wait until next week. You guys remember Ananias and Sapphira? They dropped over dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Oh, you think sin isn't important. Oh, it's an issue. Big time. Absolutely right. And we're going to look at that next week. And I, it's, it, most people want to just pass over that. Let's not even study that. It's a good one. And it's one that we need to learn and we need to know. Amen.